The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Great to have you with us today. I hope you're having a a beautiful weekend here in Charleston. Lots of great things going on. We are in a series called The Power of Words. And uh, today, we're going to talk about the art of cursing. The art of cursing. And uh, let's pretend for a second uh, that you're in your home and you're hanging a picture on the wall and you've already kind of eyed the picture and you've got your mark and you got a nail in one hand and you got a hammer in the other hand and you draw back that hammer and you miss the nail and you hit your thumb and bam! Right, what do you say? Now, now don't say it out loud. Yeah, I think we had some slip-ups in the first service, but uh, don't say that out loud. But we've all been in situations like that where maybe you kind of want to mumble something under your breath or you just kind of splurt it out there. Um, You know, those, those choice words. Now, what's interesting, though, for the most part about a lot of curse words that we use is that generally... They're not really premeditated. In other words, you're not thinking when you've got that hammer and nail that when I miss my when I, when I miss the head and hit my thumb, I am going to swear. Like it, it doesn't really work that way. It just it's not premeditated. It's something that typically comes out either under pressure or in like an emotionally charged situations. Well, Proverbs eighteen twenty one, our theme verse for the series. Remember, it says the tongue has both the power of what life and death. And uh, so, so far in this series, we've talked about both, you know, we've talked about life and death and building people up or tearing people down uh, with our words. We've talked about speaking truth in love when you need to confront somebody that you love. Uh, Galen talked about uh, expressing gratitude to people. And again, those both kind of fall on the life-giving side, right? The encouraging side. But we've also talked about the flip side of the equation. Last week on Mother's Day, I, I, I had the... Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the courage to preach about gossip on Mother's Day. And uh, that's definitely on the, uh, you know, the death and destruction side, you know, that our words have. Uh, as we talked about, you know, gossip. Our words uh, have the power of life and death, right? You can use your words to, to bless people, to be a blessing. Or you can use words to curse people. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Cursing. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but you know, where, what's the origin of curse words? Where do curse words come from? By the way, don't Google that. You'll be shocked what comes up on your news feed. Don't, don't do that. But let, let me give you a little background about uh, cursing, curse words. Curse, the, a curse actually goes back, all the way back to the original curse that was placed on the serpent in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, curse words are curse words because... Behind them is the implication that you are going to put a curse on somebody. So if you remember, you know, Satan was in the garden. He was tempting Adam and Eve to eat of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because he tempted them, because he was unfaithful to God and tried to lead God's highest and best creation, uh, man, off track, God cursed him. And that's where the original curse started. Now, this is important. Uh, You really need to understand that God originally put a curse on everything that was sinful. So all of sin is under a curse. And because the devil uh, rebelled against God and carried with him some angels, we would now call those demons, they, they are all cursed. 
And so from that point forward in history, anything that would choose to follow the path of Satan, or to say it in a more modern way, anyone who chooses to willfully sin is cursed. And we see that also later in uh, Genesis chapter 4 with the curse of Cain. And, and all throughout Scripture, we read and we discover that curses are completely under control, the control of God. In other words, nobody, hear this loud and clear, nobody can put a curse on you. You know, in, in our day, we, we kind of joke and talk about how maybe, you know, a witch or a voodoo doctor, you know, can put uh, some sort of spell on you. Or, or maybe, you know, we, we know about all those, like, superstitious curses, you know, that, that get put on people. You know, there's the uh, curse of the Bambino and uh, the, the Sports Illustrated curse and, and all those things. Listen to me for a second, loud and clear. All curses that come from human beings are completely irrelevant. Okay? Only God can do that. They have no meaning whatsoever. Only God can put a curse on something. Now, the devil chose to go against God, and therefore he is cursed. And you might even kind of think about it this morning like, like being underneath a rain cloud. If you, if you could think about it that way. So that there is this curse, and underneath this rain cloud are Satan and the angels who followed him, and then anyone who chooses unfaithfulness, you know, sin, is also under that curse. So when we choose faithfulness, when we choose the path of God, we are no longer standing under the curse. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, we are, when we don't choose God, you know, when we go the path of sin, again, we are no longer, we're not under the, the, the path of blessing, we're under the curse, the curse of sin. And so that's why the greatest curse of all time is the curse of sin. And then in the New Testament, in Romans 9 and Galatians 3 and other places, we see that the only cure for the curse of sin is the cross of Jesus, is the, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, once somebody comes under the curse of sin, the only way they can come out from underneath that is by coming to Christ. Now, with all of that is kind of the, I guess, a biblical foundation of the curse or cursing, I want to talk for the rest of the day about how do we turn cursing into blessing, okay? And I want to give you some, some practical ways to do that, some things you could take with you uh, the rest of the week, some biblical steps. Here we go. Number one, if you're taking notes, uh, be aware of just the truth about cursing. You know, understand it. Get, understand where, you know, where it's coming from and all of that. You remember a few weeks ago as we started this series, I issued the... Uh, 30-day no-cursing challenge. Day two, Pastor Chris. Day two. Okay, that, maybe that's where you remember, because the way it worked is, that was actually like weeks ago, so you understand what the Tavern's dilemma. And maybe you're under the same dilemma. Remember, the way it works is that, that you, you're trying to go 30 days without cursing, and if you, if, you miss, if you mess up, you start all over again. So years from now, some of you are going to be coming to me. I'm still working on that 30-day no-cursing challenge. But... So here's, here's the bottom line. Really, this is the truth about cursing that you need to know. Ultimately, curse words are your attempt to play God. Okay? Ultimately, that's what curse words are. It's our attempt to do something that only God can do, right? Because whenever you try to curse another person, which is the heart behind a curse word directed at somebody, what you are really trying to do is you're basically saying, hey, look, I'm God. Somehow or another, you know, I can control the destiny of this person or the destiny of this thing and, you know, curse them. 
But since God is the only one who can really put a curse on someone or something, when we use curse words, we're really trying to fulfill a role that we can never really fulfill. You know, we, we actually look, you know, kind of silly when you think about it. Let, let, me, give you, uh, let me give you an example. Go, go back to the story about the hammer and the nail, okay? So you, you hit your thumb. Now, I, I should have preempted this whole message by saying this might be a little PG-13 today, okay? So you hit your thumb, and in general, what do most people say? Damn it, okay? Now, let, let's be honest. I know I'm starting over my cursing challenge. Okay, so <laughs> let's be honest. You should have heard what they said in the first service anyway. What? But what are you damning, okay? You know, you're not damning your thumb because it wasn't your thumb's fault that it got hit, right? You know, you're probably not damning the nail unless it fell or something. You know, maybe you're damning the hammer, you know, but, but again, just think it through for a second. How foolish is that? You know, damn you hammer to hell, right? I mean, you really can't do that. You know, it doesn't work that way. First of all, it's an inanimate, inanimate object. I can't even say that word today. Um, but secondly, you, you don't have the power to do that. I don't have the power to do that. You know, and then it, but if you play that scenario out, most of the time when you curse, you realize the truth behind your cursing is really kind of silly. You know, you can't put a curse on somebody. You can't play God. You're not. You know, at, at best, we're cursing the wrong thing. And at worst, we're, we're using language that assumes that we're God. And you're not. You know, again, look at James chapter 3. We've looked at this passage in the series. It says, the tongue, after all, is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know, with the tongue, this is what's so crazy. This is what he says. Here's the dichotomy. With your tongue... You know, we spend time praising our Lord and Father, which we all just did, and yet with it, we curse men who've been made in the image of God, who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, you know, comes both praise and cursing. Brothers, this should not be. You know, the, the two really big prohibitions in Scripture about cursing are, one, you should never curse God. Right? You've all, you've all heard of the Ten Commandments. Remember those? Exodus 20. Well, verse 7 says, Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You Maybe another translation, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And so you've heard that part. Well, what's the next part of that say? You might not realize it, but it says this. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you, if you misuse his name. Wow. And so the greatest, you know, the worst curse word is GD. I mean, think about how dangerous that is, you know, how damaging that could be. And then the second thing the Bible makes very clear that we should never do is curse people, God's creation. You know, you're either trying to play God or, you know, you're, you're saying something very silly that you don't have the power to do. So, step one of just beginning this process of turning cursing into blessing, I think, is just be aware of the truth you know, behind it. Number two, think before I speak. Think before I speak. Most of the time when we get into trouble with our words, you know, not just cursing, but in other situations, it's because we are speaking in the heat of the moment, right? We're speaking in an emotionally charged, you know, kind of an event, and we're not taking the time to stop and to cool down, and to think about what words would actually be best, and what impact are my words going to have on you know, others or myself. 
You know, it, it reminds me of a little story I heard about um, a little fly, sweet little fly, buzzing around, buzzing around, having a great day, and he's really, really hungry, and he's looking for a great meal. Well, he just is just so, you know, lucky to have found, to, to have come upon for a, what a fly considers to be a gourmet meal, a huge, fresh, hot, piping pile of dog poop, Okay? <laughs> So the fly darts down, and he starts going to town, eating on this huge pile of dog poop. Now, after he's finished, he wants to fly away. But as he tries to fly away, it's so sad. He realizes he's eaten way too much of this dog poop, and he's too heavy for his wings to lift him off the ground. So he's got a dilemma. What's he going to do? How's he going to fly away? So... He decides that he needs to crawl onto something, you know, kind of high up so that he could jump off and spread his wings and so he can fly. And so, you know, he looks around and he sees a broom laying up against a wall. And so he crawls over to the broom and he crawls all the way up to the top of the broom handle. And he's perched up on top of this broom handle and he jumps off. He starts flapping his wings, but he's still too heavy. And he falls on the floor, splat, and he just dies right there. Dead fly everywhere. Now, the moral of the story, of course, is don't fly off the handle when you're full of crap. (laughs) So... Now, I, I hope that it'll just, you'll remember this point because of that story. So, whenever you speak before you think, odds are you're not going to choose the right words. Okay? Proverbs 15, 23. Listen, man, this is so good. Listen to this. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. And then listen to the second part. It's wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Isn't that true? You know, when you're having a conversation with somebody, isn't it great when you, you really do have a good reply and you say the right thing at the right time? You know, but if you're in an emotional situation and your feelings are being hurt, uh, you're angry, you feel threatened, you're exhausted, I mean, boy, that's a recipe for disaster. You're not going to find the right words to say at the right time because you're either full of hurt, emotion, or fatigue. Now, let me say this. Come on, curse words are never the right words, really. You know, you're either, again, it's actually silly what you're doing or saying. You're not thinking or you're trying to be God. You know, but once the wrong words have come out, you can't take them back. The damage has already been done, and you can't undo what what you did. Now, on a side note, let let me say this, too. Because the same is also true, by the way, of text messages and emails. Now, I've spoken to a lot of people over the years who have really hurt themselves or hurt others because in the heat of the moment, or they were tired, or they were drunk, they, not, I know nobody in this room, you, um, you sent a text message to somebody, you sent an email to somebody, and you weren't thinking And guess what? Again, once you send those, you can't take them back. 
So how do you learn to say the right thing, even in tough situations? Let me give you a couple of, of steps here about thinking through something. Number one, just learn to pause. Okay, just press the pause button. Make it a habit not to respond immediately when situations are emotionally charged. Don't say those words you're itching to say. Learn to hold your tongue instead of stepping out and putting someone in their place or cursing somebody. Listen, let me tell you something. If, you're, if you think you've got the right thing, you know, the right words to say uh, to your spouse or your boss or your coworker or your kids, and you feel like it's the right thing, even in the heat of the moment, to say those words, it's still going to be the right thing an hour later. It'll still be the right thing tomorrow. Pause. Be very careful. But again, if you lash out in a moment of emotion, you can't take it back. And possibly, you destroy a relationship, you destroy your own reputation, or you inflict hurt and pain on people that maybe you didn't intend that to happen. The Bible backs all this up. Proverbs ten nineteen. Listen to this. Don't talk too much. For it fosters sin. Be sensible and turn off the flow. You know, you know what, he's, what he's saying there very practically? Keep your mouth shut. Turn off the flow. Because when you're talking so much, it's possible you're going to say some things you don't intend to. So first of all, learn to pause. Second step is learn to consider. After you've paused, I want you to consider, to ponder, to think about whether or not Jesus would be pleased with the words that are about to come out of your mouth. Now, I know that's a high standard. But, from what I understand, we're all followers of Jesus, right? He's the one we're trying to become more and more like. And so you just ask, you know, Lord, the words I'm about to speak, do they make you happy? Are they a blessing unto you? Do they bring you glory? Here's what I just, I guarantee you something. If you would just begin to ask yourself that question in some of the conversations you're having in the workplace, with your family, with your friends, I guarantee you, it would make a radical impact on your life in the relationships that you have. So, pause, consider, and listen to this. Man, make this your prayer. Commit this as a prayer every, every day this week and during this series and beyond. Listen to this, Psalm 1914. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I mean, that's the goal, right, anyway? May the words of my mouth, the thoughts of my heart, may they be pleasing to you. That's the best way to make sure that your words are a blessing instead of a cursing. Number three, encourage others with my words. We've talked about a little bit of this already, and Galen definitely preached on this, but really quickly, obviously, you have a choice as to how you're going to use your words, okay? We all do. We can use our words as tools to build people up or weapons to tear people down. So the question is, how about you? You know, what, what are your words? Are they tools or are they weapons? Do they discourage people or do they encourage people? Do they tear people up? Do they build people, uh, uh, do they tear people down or do they build people up? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 puts it this way. So, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I actually love the the word encourage because it actually means to infuse someone's life with courage. I like that. To infuse somebody's life. And we, we get to do that with the words that we speak. 
You know, words that motivate, that encourage, that express love, that celebrate, that bless, that compliment. Man, that's a way to infuse life and encouragement into people's uh, lives. And so if that's what encourage means, then discourage means just the opposite, to remove courage from people's lives. Which, by the way, that produces what? Fear. And so do the people in your life, do the people who work with you, do they have a tendency to say things like, I feel like I'm walking on what? Eggshells. What's that? That's fear. That's, that's words of discouragement, not words of building people up. Now, you get to choose. What about the words that you speak? So let's review. Be aware of the truth about cursing. Okay? You know, it it makes you look silly. You're trying to do something that you really don't have the power to do. I honestly think it doesn't make you look very smart either when you have to rely on language like that. Okay? And then just think before you speak. You know, press the pause button. Would Jesus be pleased with this? And then thirdly, encourage people. Infuse people with life. And then finally, number four. Surrender my life to Jesus. This really is the ultimate way of of turning cursing into blessing. And, you know, really, if you looked at the Bible and what it has to say about cursing and curse words and a curse, honestly, about 75% of it or more relates to the curse of sin. And so let me review a little bit and let's talk a little bit more about this. Uh, You know, again, when we started, I talked about, you know, Genesis 3 and how Satan rebelled against God, tempted Adam and Eve, and they came under the curse, the curse of sin. And now Satan uh, and his demons live under this cloud. And anyone who chooses uh, unfaithfulness toward God, anybody who chooses sin, also is under this cloud, under the curse of sin. Now, Here's the bad news. We are all under that cloud. You are cursed. I am cursed. Because we've all sinned. Everyone in this room has acted in an unfaithful way toward God. You have all chosen sin. We are all under this curse. That is the bad news. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Now, The question then becomes, well, okay, Pastor Chris, that's pretty bad. So how do we get out from under this curse? Well, you ready for this? Here's even the worst news. There is nothing humanly possible that you could do in and of yourself to get out from under it. In other words, you can't earn your way out from under the curse. You can't talk your way out from underneath the curse. You can't... Uh, do a bunch of really good things. You can't eliminate a bunch of bad things from your life to, you know, to get your way out from underneath the curse. There is nothing in and of yourself that you could do. By the way, what I've just described, that's, that's religion. Okay, religion is just man's attempt to earn their way or work their way toward God, to come out from underneath the curse. And guess what? It doesn't work. The only thing religion will do is get you cuts in the line to hell. That's it. Okay? So, if, if that's the even worse news, you know, what hope do we have? Well, God intervened. God intervened. And here is the good news. You ready for this? God said, 
I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you too much to leave you under the cloud of sin, under the curse of sin. So God said, I'm going to do the most radical thing possible. I'm going to send my one and only son, Jesus, to come and to die on the cross for you and your sin. By the way, don't get you know, hung up on the word sin. All that means is that you have fallen short. Okay, You've fallen short of the standard. By the way, the, the standard of judgment, though, you need to know this. It's not me. It's not you. It's not the person sitting next to you. It's not your wicked neighbor or co-worker. But it's also not Billy Graham, the Pope, or Mother Teresa. It's God. And the last I looked, everybody in this room, including me, we all fall miserably short of that standard. And we waste so much time judging and one another based on how far we think someone else has fallen you know, into sin when we're all in sin. We're all in the same boat. Okay? So God said, I'm going to send my one and only son Jesus to die on the cross as the penalty, the payment for your sin. And then I'm going to prove his power over sin and death by having him rise from the dead. And come back to life. So that if you would just believe in him. If you would just put your trust in him and him alone. You would be able to leave the curse of sin. And experience the blessing of God. That my friends is the good news. That's what Jesus did for you. Now the way you move from cursing to blessing. Is by surrendering your life to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? How do you do that? Listen, I want you to hear this loud and clear today. It is as easy as A, B, C. Okay? Write this down if you're taking notes. The A simply means you admit it. You admit you've blown it. You admit you've sinned. Again, the standard of sin is, is the righteousness, the holiness, the perfection of Almighty loving God. Always doing the right thing, never thinking or doing the wrong thing. That's the standard. So you admit you've fallen short. You've sinned. You've acted in a way unfaithful toward God. The letter B, it stands for believe. You believe. You believe that Jesus did die on the cross for your sin. That he did rise from the dead. And he is alive. You believe he is who he said he was, who he is. He's God's son. Sin is payment for your sin and mine. And then the letter C simply means to commit. You give your life to following Jesus. You commit your life to him. You, you ask him to come into your life to save you from your sin. You commit. A, B, C. When you take those steps, listen to this, listen. Listen. God supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit and based on the resurrection of Jesus, you know what he does? He removes the curse off of your life. He moves you from cursing to the blessing of God, the blessing of forgiveness, the blessing of redemption, the blessing of hope and purpose and power and meaning. You are no longer cursed, but you are blessed. In fact, listen to this. This is so awesome. Galatians chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 really explains what I just said. It says, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God... By the way, what's he saying there? He's saying those of you who think you could just be a better person or not be a bad person, you can keep trying as hard as you might to do the right thing, to obey the law. What does he say? You are under a what? What's the word? Curse. 
For the Bible says, the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all these commands that are written in God's book of the law. In other words, okay, there, there is one way you can make it into heaven, not through Jesus. You know what it is? Perfection. God's holy, and if you want to go to, to heaven, which is a holy place, because that's where God lives, then you can obey perfectly all the commands of Scripture, always do the right thing, never do or think the wrong thing. Welcome into heaven. Nobody here is going to ever do that. In fact, he says it right here. Cursed is everyone who doesn't obey and observe all these commands that are written in God's book of the law. Consequently, it's clear, isn't it? It's clear that no one can ever be right with God by trying to keep the law through religion. Again, when you're under this curse of sin, there's nothing humanly speaking that you and I can ever do to get out from under it. And yet, how many times have you heard people say things like this? Or maybe some of you have even mistakenly thought something like this. Well, you know, I'm just going to clean my act up. I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to get myself right. I'm going to, you know, I I don't even feel like I can come to church until I, I clean up my act. I get my life together. Man, don't you see? There's no hope for that. Okay? We're under the curse of sin. You're in a curse. You're under a curse. The only way you're ever going to get your life straightened out and breaking that curse is through Jesus. It's ABC. It's as easy as ABC. It's admit, believe, and commit. And then when you do that, you know what happens? God cleans you up from the inside out. In fact, though, this is where you start. You ready for this? He looks at you and he sees Jesus. He sees his son. He sees the blood of Christ. And he looks at you and he says, beautiful, perfection. And then our job is just to become, cooperate with the power of the Holy Spirit and become more and more like God already sees us. You know, nowhere, nowhere did God ever say, you need to clean yourself up before you and I can have a relationship. He says, just admit you can't. Believe that Jesus paid the price and give your life to him. And then, oh man, this is so beautiful. Look, look, this passage goes on to say, since you can't do it, who can? Verse 13, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Listen to this. When he was hung on that cross... He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Because the Bible says that Jesus became, in that moment, Jesus became what? You ready for this? He became sin. He took on the curse. He took the payment for our wrongdoing. Don't you see? Jesus gave his life for yours on the cross. And he came back through the power of the resurrection so that when you commit to follow him, You move from being cursed under that rain cloud. You move into the light. You move into life. You you move to the blessing, the blessing of God. And the truth is, and I want you to hear this loud and clear today. Every single person in this room, you will walk out these doors, you'll get in your car, you'll head home, in one of two conditions. 
you are either still under a curse or you're under the blessing of God. That's the truth. But you get to decide. You get to choose. Why would you choose a curse? Why would you choose the curse of sin? When you come into the light, the abundant life of Christ, forgiveness, clear conscience before God, love, joy, purpose, meaning, and yes, a home in heaven secured forever. You see, I guess what I'm saying is that, that that's kind of the bottom line about, you know, I could just you know, give you a lot of little tips and tricks on, you know, hey, let's clean up our language, let's stop cursing. But I guess when you really see it this way, why would we want to curse anyway when we live under the blessing of God? You're not under a curse anymore, the curse of sin. So I want to become more and more like God now sees me in, in the life and the light of Jesus. And so, yeah, I want to be a little bit more careful with my words because I'm not under the curse anymore. So today, you get to choose. You know, it's as easy and simple as ABC, and you can express that today in a prayer. You know, it doesn't matter if it's on an altar call, or a revival, it doesn't matter if it's in a week of camp with uh, you know, 2,000 students, or it's at home at night with you and your thoughts, or over a cup of coffee with a friend. But at some point, personally, individually, not your parents, not your friends or family, not your spouse, but you, have to admit it, that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died for that sin, your sin, and rose from the dead, and give your life to follow him. And when you do that, you move into the blessing of God. Do it today. Today. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.